Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Monsters do have their place in the zoo, in your nightmares, in the deep, in your favorite horror movies, but not in your living room, on your TV. Don't let pay TV be the monster in your living room. Pay TV and cable TV companies are seeking the right to charge you for the very programs you now get free. If you want to stop pay TV and save free television, sign the petition in the lobby of this theater. Let your lawmakers know how you feel in the fight against pay TV and cable TV. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center. And circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're going to take turns sharing with you shows that we've been binging or watching while um, still in this pandemic. Um, straight away, we're going to kick it over to Chief Engineer Bob. Bob, why don't you regale us with what, what is one of the shows that you've been watching periodically or binging more than periodically? Well, yeah, there's a couple that I've been binging on. Actually, maybe, maybe like three. But uh, mm -hmm. I'll start off with... Lieutenant Debbie and I went back in time about 10 years and we binged our oh. way all the way through The Walking Dead. Wow. Since this is the last season, I think we're in the uh -huh. second part of the last season. And uh, basically, I think she came in, I want to say about halfway through season 10. So there was a whole lot going on before that that she had no idea about. <laughs> so we went all the way back. And I got to say, the interesting thing of doing doing that is if you remember as we watched The Walking Dead real time, there were all the, there's all these breaks and months in between episodes and everything. So a lot of it just seems like, man, this is being dragged out for a long time. But when you watch them back to back and, you know, two, two and three a night or whatever, the pacing is actually really good. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, like when a oh, spoiler alert, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. Uh, when, <laughs> when Glenn falls off the dumpster and into the crowd of walkers. And I think if I'm correct, that took place like around Christmas time. So there were like a couple weeks that they didn't show episodes and then they had an episode or two before they revealed what happened to him. So I was just kind of like, oh man, this is all stretched out. But no, you watch them back to back and it's like, oh, okay, boom, boom, boom. Oh, there's what happened. Um, same thing with like a lot of people tuned out 
on the Negan season because it was just so dark and Rick was just so browbeaten the whole season that people kind of lost interest. And it's like, well, you watch them back to back to back and that whole season goes by like within a week or so. So, uh, like I say, you you know, you watch it just straight on and the pacing is good and all that. And I think, you know, the writers just look at episode to episode and they don't look at, well, let's see, we've got a four month break in between these two and we've got a two month break in between these. So, uh, you know, they're not, I don't think they're looking at that. They may be, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we got to season, I think it's nine when Angela Kang took over as showrunner and things started ramping up and getting much better again. And, uh, you know, 10 and 11 with the whispers and the reapers and all that, um, are really good. So, um, you know, three cheers for those who stuck it out. But, um, yeah, I think she really enjoyed it. And she's getting into this season more now that she knows all the background of the characters that are left and the characters that have come in and all that. And, uh, you know, recently we've been seeing pictures of Andrew Lincoln hanging out in Atlanta, out eating, (laughs) eating dinner with Norman Reedus and taking pictures with fans and all that. So he's there and they're still recording episodes. So maybe he'll return before the movies pop up. Who knows? He has he has said that he kind of regrets leaving the series because after he left, Angela Kang took over and it got really good again. So, you know, I think he kind of said, oh, man, okay, I made a mistake there. Yeah, what else has he done since Walking Dead anyway? Well, he wanted to quit to spend time with his family. And, you know, mm-hmm. I guess you can only spend so much time with the family <laughs> before they want to kick you back out again. But, so, you know, uh, who knows? That he, money. He may jump into some episodes at the end, which will lead into, I guess, the Carol and Daryl spinoff and also the the Rick Grimes movies and all that. So um, we'll see. It'll be interesting. There's supposed mm-hmm. to be other spinoffs. I guess there's one where uh, they're going to do like individual stories and some will focus on characters who have been killed off or aren't there anymore, but it'll go back and tell one of their individual stories and things. So yeah, there's a lot going on, but uh, yeah, we went back and binged our way through and uh, glad that we did. That's cool. It, you know, the, the Carol and Daryl show kind of reminds me of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And then Rhoda got her own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I, I picture it sort of like a, uh, you know, a Bob Hope, road picture type thing or <laughs> Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, you know, something like that. I, I speaking of Rhonda, just for my mother's sake, this was Carlton, your doorman. <laughs> you still love that part of the show. Anyway, I digress. Let me ask you something, uh, chief. When do you think Rick started getting dark? Rick started getting dark. God, yeah. it was actually pretty early on. I think. I mean, he had some problems. I mean, come on. He oh, had, yeah, yeah. He kept, you know, once Lori got killed and he kept seeing her and he was following her out into the, into the you know, woods and stuff. 
Um, he was hearing that phone ring and thinking that mm-hmm. there's people on the other side and he's hearing people that had died and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's also that one scene where uh, there were, uh, I don't remember if they were part of Negan's gang or if it was before Negan, maybe part of the governor, but there were the guys out on the road that uh, caught them and the one guy was like on top of Carl and like he was going to rape him or something. And, uh, and Rick just leaned over and bit this guy's throat. Oh, just ripped his throat out. Um, I was thinking that too, Bob. That's when he, in my mind that, and when uh, it was the terminus episode, when they chased them into the church Oh yeah. and he tells the guy, I was going to, you know, use this hatchet on you. And sure enough, well, that's the thing, yeah, because they're using hatchets and machetes and whatever and just, like, hacking these guys up in front of the altar and on the pews and everything else. And that yeah, was kind of like when Father Gabriel first kind of came into the series and he was kind of looking at everything like, uh, what am I getting into with these guys? Right. You talk about a character changing, though, their dynamic and their – I mean, the character it's himself is Father Gabriel from where – he was when he was introduced to the series to where he was, you know, <laughs> this last episode. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a uh, basically a coward that locked his flock out of the church when the walkers were coming. And he lost his whole congregation because they were all locked out and being attacked. And then he was suicidal because he was feeling mm-hmm. guilty about all that. And now he's like, he's like the leader of Hilltop, right? And he's like, one of the higher ups, pretty much well, the yeah. council, I guess, or yeah. whatever they have now. And uh, uh, he's a sniper and all that. He's yeah, definitely changed. I I think the cool thing about Rick and Morgan is that they've both traveled down that road where they needed each other just as a mental or um, spiritual guide in a sense, you know, when, cause they've each suffered such huge losses. Um, speaking of Morgan, do you guys watch the fear the walking dead program? Uh, either you or, or Karen? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, not to get no. too far off the rails, but I mean, yeah, when Morgan crossed over from walking dead to fear, that's when that series really kind of took off and got much better. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so yeah, I, 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 there were some episodes of Fear that were better than than The Walking Dead during that you know, seized a couple of seasons where they were kind of like eh, I don't know where we're going, um, but anyway, I'm I'm glad like you said Angela King came on board and just really tightened everything up on Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead, I mean you know spoiler alert here we are zombie apocalypse and then someone drops a, a nuclear bomb you know and it's like <laughs> that's right now it's a radioactive yeah. apocalypse yeah well and you know, who, who so. was left cool. to drop a nuclear bomb oh there was yeah, there was a submarine that that this uh criminal mastermind uh anyway maybe not a criminal mastermind but this <laughs> psychotic scientists got a hold of the codes and launched it in in just a small area it's not the entire united states or the world but there were you know one or two bombs that went off and it just irradiated miles and miles and miles of hmm. of texas and they're all stuck in there and you know and yeah, i know this is not a walking dead show ever episode but but victor strand i mean there's another character that 
has gone everywhere. You know. Yeah. He's good. He's bad. He's bad again. No, he's good. I know. He's yeah. crazy and whatever. So, but yeah. I don't know. What do, what do you guys been binging? Walker. Uh, I don't know about binging, but I guess watching. I, I have to bring this up because it, it, it always seems to make Larry chuckle. I've been watching Uh-oh. Raised by Uh-oh. Wolves on HBO. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, well, one, there's nothing else like it on TV right now. I'll give you that. Yes. Um, Ridley Scott was involved, which you can take however you wish. Um, I think, you know, Ridley Scott has, has made some, some great sci-fi films in the past. And then there's Prometheus. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, half a one and... Six together, wow. whatever. <laughs> so um, it seems like this Wolves program has been—you've been into this for a while. How many episodes are there? How many seasons? Uh, so it started in 2020. Um, so they're on the second season now. I think they—I think it's been like eight episodes per season. Um, the second season is in progress. I think it's more than halfway done. Mm-hmm. So the basic premise being it's it's set in the future. I'm not sure how far, but they have like interstellar inter, or intergalactic space travel. Um, and there was this war on Earth between uh, this religious sect and these atheists. And they basically made Earth uninhabitable. So um, these two androids won a... Uh, this super destructive android uh, was reprogrammed to be the mother uh, for these embryos. And then another android, a, a service model, was programmed to be the father. And they were sent into space to find a habitable planet and kind of repopulate the human race with these embryos that they were going to, you know, raise to uh, – to childhood and, and all that. Um, and, but the, um, and they were sent by this, this atheist guy. And then the, uh, the religious people had built this giant ark, which was a giant spaceship and they got aboard that. And then they kind of followed and they came about 10 years later. Um, but the, uh, the embryos that the, uh, the androids crashed on the shit on the planet and basically, of all the embryos they had, um, there were like seven that they were able to uh, grow to childhood, but only one of them survived because the planet was very inhospitable. And so essentially it, then it became a struggle between the, uh, the androids and their child and the religious uh, sect. And there's just all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on Um as they have confrontations, as the androids discover more things about themselves, and uh, just a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the show. And I think the thing is, is it's like really, it's interesting science fiction. Um, I don't feel like we have, you know, like it's similar to me in recent shows. I would compare it to would be something like Westworld. In that, you know, it's a show that asks a lot of questions, makes you think a lot about things like, you know, what is, I don't know, what is a family? What is, 
you know, how do religious beliefs and and uh, people who don't have those beliefs, how, you know, how do they come together or how do they have conflict and why and what do we believe and why do we believe it? And I don't know, just, you know, like most really good science fiction, it raises a lot of thoughts. So so at some point, do they like go to the moon and meet up with John Jameson and Moon Wolf and where do the wolves come in? <laughs> Yeah, I know the title might seem confusing, but uh, the female android, so she was a model called a necromancer, and when she activates her powers, she's sort of like Dark Phoenix. She raises up in the sky, and her skin turns coppery, and she does this like shriek that basically disintegrates everything around her, which is pretty impressive. Um, but I think then she has this basic conflict between the fact that she was a really designed for destruction and now she has this charge to be this nurturing creature. So that's a whole nother issue in the, in the show because she's not the greatest mother. Well, if it's only a couple seasons and eight episodes each, I have a chance to catch up, I think. Once it gets yeah. too far away, it's like uh, too daunting. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it, and it looks interesting. There's, it's got some interesting design choices, things like that. Later on, there's like flying snakes and oh, <laughs> seas of then. acid. So I, I, I've been saying I'm going to try and watch it again. I could not figure out why the necromancer activated all her destructive. Traits. I mean, she just went ape shit on that one episode. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. it's like when she feels threatened or feels her children are threatened. Because at one point she takes in these kids from the uh, the religious sect, and that becomes her hmm. family. And yeah, she feels like they're going to be taken away from her. She just basically goes bonkers. So. Yeah. And the poor father, though, the father android is great. The guy who plays him is like, he's so put upon and he's so, like, you, you can tell. And he, he tries to tell dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> was cute. He puts up with so much from the mother android. And he's, uh, yeah, he's like, he's a good father, but he's he's always like struggling to deal with I don't know, dealing with her and his own I'm, I'm not even paraphrasing, but yeah, there was this one part where he's like, Mother, did did you shoot me? <laughs> She's like, what? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Mind yeah. her P's and Q's. Um, so, yeah, that, I, I, I'll, I'll try to watch it again. <laughs> I say that every episode. <laughs> it's well, it's very dry. There's not a lot of humor to it. It's it's um, it's yeah, it's a different viewing experience. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I won't it's, say it's... No, go ahead. No, it's just I think it's it, you know it, it gives you a little something to think about. Like I mean, I love Star Wars, but to me, Star Wars is not science fiction. It's like 
space fantasy or space adventure. It's, it doesn't require you to think about anything. It doesn't ask any questions. I mean, it's like at least Star Trek most of the time. Well, it used to anyway. It, it raised questions about like humanity, you know, what is it to be human? What's our place in the universe and things like that, you know, and I, I like that aspect of science fiction. I mean, even something like Logan's Run would make you think about stuff like overpopulation and mortality and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, it's good just to have some science fiction shows that actually, you know, raise kind of big ideas. So, I, I guess I like my science with a couple of fart jokes here and there because uh... – well, and then you have Red Dwarf. <laughs> a little bit. There you go. Um, you know, there were interesting components when you mentioned the science fiction part of it, where you know you do ask why, and it was just too dry. For me. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I can see that. Too much of a jokey person, I guess. Um, but I, I will say, um, I always take Walker's recommendations, Bob as well. Um, to heart so it's just a matter of finding time we have all these shows that we're binging and watching and um such one of those shows i've been star trek prodigy and uh it's, it's a cartoon i think it's on nickelodeon it's definitely on the paramount paramount yeah oh is it on nickelodeon too I, it was on a kid's show as well, I think, initially. Mm. I don't know if they moved it all the way to Paramount. but That'd be smart of um, I was disappointed with the episode of Discovery. I mean, I was w- wanting to get some kind of a Star Trek fix. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, So, you know, I'd heard about uh, Kate Mulgrew coming back and, and doing a, a version of the Janeway character and it turns out that she is a holographic um kind of like a trainer on this ship called the Prometheus and um it, it I haven't finished um there's two or three episodes left this season cuz I can't figure out how the Prometheus got to the Delta Quadrant um but anyway there John Noble plays this evil character called the Diviner and his daughter Gwen um, basically rebels uh, from his ideology, and he he has this like asteroid with all these enslaved enslaved um, aliens um, on there. And uh, this one of the kids has some friends, and they they escape and they fall upon the Prometheus and. The, the Janeway program had been damaged and she's thinking they're Starfleet cadets. And so she's like, well, cadets, you know, we're going to run the Prometheus and we're going to do the training uh, program and, and this, that and the other. And as the series uh, progresses, because they escape, uh, spoiler alert, and, um, you know, they fall upon these um, team building missions that Janeway puts them through in, in the holodeck. And then there are some things that they have to get because, you know, the dilithium uh, is depleted or some manner of item. And they have to go to a planet and work together to to kind of work it out and, and figure things out. And I was telling Karen about this. I, I think you said you saw one or two episodes and it reminded you of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, I've watched a few more and mm. – 
yeah, I can't say I'm a big fan of it, but I, I, it's gotten a little more like Star Trek since then. It's Star Trek, and there are a lot of fart jokes, so you know that kind of lends into my uh, <laughs> my, my sensibilities. Um, there was a fun episode though that was called uh, I, I don't know if it was called Kobayashi Maru or Kobayashi. Uh, let me take a quick look here. Kobayashi. It was called Kobayashi episode six, and um, basically, Doll uh, the quote unquote leader of the group um, is doing the Kobayashi Maru uh, simulation and he wants to beat it. And the, uh, the computer allows for him to pick his crew. So you have the voice of Nichelle Nichols as Uhura, Rene Abergenois as uh, Odo, Jimmy Doohan as Scotty, Gates McFadden comes on uh, as the doctor. And I think Gates is the only one who recorded new dialogue. They, they pick pieces of dialogue from these actors in their time in, in whatever iteration of Star Trek they were on. Um, that was a fun episode uh, well, they, to, to they, watch. They had uh, Leonard Nimoy as Spock, too, right? Right. You're right. They had Leonard Nimoy as Spock. And um, it, it, it was just it was a fun episode Uh Good, good use of of those actors. Um, let me see. Yeah, I've, I've got. Yeah, I haven't gotten to like seven, eight, nine. There's ten episodes. Um, so I'll be binging, continuing to binge on uh, Prodigy. Supposedly Chakotay is going to show up in in some form. I don't know if it's going to be a hologram or whatever. And I wasn't a huge fan of Star Trek Voyager. But my niece, Kayla, that was her Star Trek, um, just like episode one, two and three was her Star Wars. She knows of the other episodes, but uh, when Tuvok was introduced, she would call him Mr. Tupac. So <laughs> I, I give her a hard time <laughs> whenever we talk about Star Trek. But yes, um, if if you're wanting some light science fiction and some healthy doses of humor, you know, like the Clone Wars, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, there are episodes that are strictly going to be kid episodes that are meant to sell a toy. And then there are some other episodes that really have good writing, like the Kobayashi episode. And even the pilot episode, I thought, was very um, well written. Um, so, yes, that that is one of the shows that I'm currently binging on. Uh, Want to kick it back to, to Bob or to Karen? Well, <clears throat> speaking of Star Trek, loosely, sort of, kind of, <laughs> uh, I was watching John Cho, who uh, plays Sulu in the Kelvin movies, hmm. and uh, he's been starring, there's only one season and they canceled it already, but oh. over on Netflix, they have a live action Cowboy Bebop, and I've been watching that and quite enjoyed it. It's only 10 episodes. And obviously, that's all there's going to be. But uh, John Cho plays Spike Spiegel. And he, Jet Black, and Faye Valentine are flying around the galaxy in this ship called the Bebop. And uh, they're basically bounty hunters. And they're going around and trying to make money and things. But they also get tied up in the mob because as it turns out, spoiler alert, Spike Spiegel was a hitman for the mob. 
And so mm. he quit. They don't like that. So they're after him. So you've got all these kind of standalone adventures as they're going off against these different uh, bounties. And uh, then you've got the thread that ho- holds them all together where the mob is chasing him or trying to get to him. And uh, there's a lot of cool kind of twists and things. In fact, uh, one, of the, one of the mob bosses is played by Adrian Barbeau in one episode. Oh. So she shows up. And that, was, that was pretty interesting. Um, this is based on the Japanese cartoon that was uh, created by Shinichiro Watanabe. And uh, they even brought back um, the composer, Yoko Kano, who uh, did the music for Cowboy Bebop. And <laughs> the music for Cowboy Bebop is very very much like a jazz-type soundtrack. So that's like mm-hmm. a big part of the series. So it was big that they brought him back for the live-action show. And uh, just yeah, everything from the credits. The credits look like like some 70s detective show-type uh, opening a lot of kinetic images and graphics and things, and uh, just the music—it all—it all works. And I thought it was a really good series. It's just—I don't know. I guess it just didn't quite catch on on Netflix, mm. or they didn't have the uh, patience for it. Because I think they canceled it like three episodes in. At least they showed all ten. But um, yeah, three episodes in, they're like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to show this anymore." Maybe oh, it was upset me. Oh, go ahead, Walker. I was just going to say, maybe it was really expensive for them to make. I, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of effects and, you know, it's a, f- a future setting. So, you know, almost like everything is an effect. So it could could have been very expensive. I don't know the way that the revenue works with shows on Netflix, but it upsets me. They, they did the same thing with the... Um, not man thing, swamp but thing? the swamp thing, yeah, for mm-hmm. DC, and that was a damn good, you know, show. And I, I got so mad, I, I stopped watching after like the fourth episode. I was like, why? Well, they didn't show all the episodes, right? I think they showed them on the CW, but I think they were cut for commercial time. They were edited on the CW because originally the DC was going to launch its own channel and and stuff, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, if, if it ever comes to HBO Max, which it looks like that's where DC is going to put their television programs now that the CW has been sold. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel free on, on that one, Bob. Well, I mean, I got I bought the Blu-ray of Swamp Thing. So if you have the urge and you need to borrow it, let me know. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Walkie, what, what else you got going on there, bud? So I don't usually watch like real life shows. I don't even know if this counts as real life. Um, <laughs> I don't think anything we cover here does. I've been watching a show called Jackass. Inclu- uh. Including when we talk about ourselves. <laughs> but uh, somebody in one of my uh, feeds uh, turned me on to this thing called Hellier. Mm-hmm. which is a supposed documentary series, um, which is paranormally focused. Is that a word, paranormally? It's focused on the paranormal. Let's say that. And uh, there were two seasons of it. The first season, uh, I think, was only five episodes. And, I th- and then the second season 
I think had eight episodes, maybe ten. Let me see. I'll look it up here. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so the second season had ten, so it was twice as long as the first season. Uh, essentially, uh, it's about these uh, paranormal investigators who get caught up in things going on in Hellier, Kentucky. So Hellier is a place. Um, initially, they they get some uh, emails about like goblins running around in, in the hills of Hellier, but then it gets weirder and weirder. And of course, it goes into sort of this conspiracy uh, that seems to involve a variety of people, maybe even the government. Um, if you're familiar with Mothman, it brings in uh, people connected to the Mothman story. And it just takes a lot of crazy twists and turns. But it there's a lot of really schlocky <laughs> paranormal investigation stuff out there. And this one, though, um, really put together well, very high quality, um, very well constructed, whether, you know, whether you believe it's, it's, um, authentic or, or whatever. Um, it, uh, it's well made and it was entertaining. So, uh, if you're interested in the paranormal UFOs, aliens, that kind of stuff, I think it, it's worth checking out. And I should say that it's um, – I saw it on Amazon Prime. I think the first season is available on YouTube. I don't know about the second season. Um, mm. But, yeah, pretty entertaining. And that one I did really binge because I discovered it after it came out. And I think I finished the whole thing off in a week or so. Um, the episodes, I don't think they were super long. Most of them, I think, were less than an hour or so. Um, so, yeah. uh, fart jokes, no fart jokes. Uh, I don't think, I don't think there were a ton of fart jokes in that. So I don't know oh, sorry, if it Larry. would match up to Larry's expectations, but, um, well, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll let things go. Um, <laughs> oh, you really let it go sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the shows I've been watching um, is The Servant, or, or just Servant. Uh, it's an Apple TV program. M. Night Shalahan um, produces, uh, writes episodes, has directed some episodes. And I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but Rupert Grint plays the brother to the, the, the main female lead. And he has this American accent, like, locked. And, uh, you know, he's a recovering addict, and there's a lot of swearing going on. And um, so basically, <clears throat> the, the show is almost like um, it, it's a psychological horror kind of thriller, but it's not like bleh, horror. It's, it's more like uh, Hitchcock. You know, it's not, you know, in your face, blood and gore. Um, there is a, uh, so the female lead and her husband, uh, they have a baby, Jericho, and the baby um, dies. Mm. And it, it's only months old. And um, 
the husband is a, a culinary uh, chef person and was uh, rather famous. So he was called to guest on this cable cooking show. And while he was away is when the baby passed away and she left it in the crib and would take care of it, you know, for the week that he was away. And he comes home and he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, um, you know, so they, they call the authorities and, and whatever. And uh, she has to go to a psychologist, obviously. And uh, to this is kind of weird. The therapy that they introduced to help her cope with this because she's in denial. I mean, and, and it doesn't help that they bring this realistic baby doll oh, that has, you know, Yes, the skin texture is, you know, and, and it has human hair and and she's, what? you know, meant to have the baby suckle and, you know, a carrier sing to it. And and I'm like, you know, I don't know about this. So they um, decide to hire a nanny. And this is the servant comes into the to the uh, picture. And. Um, God, what is her name? Um Dorothy is is the uh, the mother. Uh, Sean is her husband, and um, Leanne is the is the nanny, uh, the servant, and um, she comes in and you know she she will only eat Campbell's tomato soup, <laughs> and her just her mannerisms and the way that she talks is almost like Amish, not not with a German kind of accent but anyway she's helping take care of this you know fake jericho and one day dorothy hears the baby crying and and she's like sean can you and and the husband's like you know wtf and uh rupert as well he's like what's going you know and they go upstairs and there is um leanne singing to the baby and they're, they're like, what, what's going on? And, and so it's in its third season. There's a whole mystery as to um, how the baby came to the house. Um, well, is it, why does – oh, go ahead. Is it is it like the, the original baby? I mean, is it – does it seem to be their, their baby that they had? It, it might be. It's left to the audience to decide – if she somehow is it a clone did they resurrect is it witchcraft is it devil worship is it is it taxidermy clues are slowly revealed over the three seasons um i will say that there is a cult that is involved and um you know at first you think the cult is against her and then it's for her and and it's it's really really well thought out, well made. Um, I want to say his daughters are are helping with writing, and and one of them is acting in in the third season. And um, it is a fun show uh, to watch. Um, it's just very creepy. It's not scary, like I said. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a boogeyman or a you know a, a devil or anything popping out. But there are. You know, these weird like one time she's in her room reading the Bible, hitting herself on the back, giving herself welts. <laughs> and it's like, what the, you know, um, 
anyway, it's it's almost like a train wreck show. You can't help that everyone is dysfunctional in in some way, shape, or form in in that program. Servant. Okay. Yeah. So, which one of you's twos has something else you'd like it's, it's to? It's Mr. Bob's turn. Mr. Bob. Well, let's see. You know when I uh, when I go to work when I'm in the office during lunch I'll go out to my truck and sit there and I've got this portable D, portable Blu-ray player so I can watch discs or whatever catch up I've just got like piles and piles of Blu-rays and DVDs that I'll probably never get to <clears throat> but this yeah. kind of it helps me get through some so I pick a series and I go through it the the one that I'm almost done with now is actually an old anime from 1980. It's the 1980 version of Tetsujin 28, which uh, is better known over here as Gigantor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's it's good. You know, it was weird because that year you had both the uh, Tetsujin 28 and also Tetsuan Adam, who was also known as Astro Boy. Both of them had like new versions or new color series um, out at roughly the same time, but uh, but yeah, no, Tessujin twenty eight. It's good. It's got a lot of action. It's uh, probably simple anime compared to what people are watching now. But uh, but it's definitely you know Shotaro Shotaro Kane, Kaneda Shotaro Kaneda. <laughs> you know, he's there. You know, basically not quite in the coat tie and shorts that he was in in the in Gigantor the old 60s series but you know he's got t-shirt shorts jacket and he's got the uh, the control panel the portable control panel that he can go run around and control uh, Tetrogen 28 with and go up usually against other robots once in a while they'll get a monster in there but it's usually robots uh, towards the end of the series they had a uh, they're standalone episodes. Towards the end, though, they had this like alien invasion, and they would come down and unleash robots and spaceships that he'd have to fight. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think I want to say it came out from probably Discotech Media, I believe. Released it on DVD, but I think it's out of print now. Uh, they released it a couple mm. of years ago, but cool. All right. Back to the walker. Well, you know, there was one thing that I had been watching. And Larry, I know you're wa- you had been watching it too. Yes, I do your dance moves. <laughs> I had zero interest in this show when I heard about it. I I didn't care for suicide the suicide squad movie. And I heard they're going to do a Peacemaker show. And I thought, man, I, I don't care. I just don't care. Why? 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 Who, right, who gives a shit about Peacemaker? <laughs> I was just like, I don't care. But for some reason, one night, I don't know why. I guess I had nothing better to do. I said, yeah, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. In the first episode, I was kind of like, okay, it's stupid. I don't know. And but then I watched the second episode, 
And then I started to get hooked on this stupid show. But the thing is, it, yeah. it was like I couldn't figure out for a while, is it just really stupid or is it really stupid and funny? And then I started to feel like it's stupid and funny. I, I, I started enjoying it. It was it was hysterical at times. And then it, it was like, but it's also kind of nuanced because the characters, even though all the characters are like either screw-ups or idiots or whatever, they also <laughs> they also had like this other side to them, which explained like you could see, well, they had, you know, these problems and this is why they are the people they are now and they took the time to kind of show this and then you actually started caring about you know essentially like peacemaker who is a complete moron but you know you care about him because you see all the crap that he went through so i had to I had to say that i was really turned around on this show and I had to let myself just enjoy something that was like dumb and silly. <laughs> and I enjoyed our, our conversations also about this show. It was, it was a delightful surprise. It, it was, um, I'm going to piggyback on, on Karen's, uh, binge there. Um, I also was not a huge fan of the suicide squad, let alone John Cena. Um, you know, um, James Gunn, though, I mean, his work on Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, and the jokes on the Suicide Squad were funny. I like the polka dot um, more than any other character, I think, uh, in that movie. Um, never really a big Harlequin fan, but, you know, it is what it is. And so right away when I watched Peacemaker, the intro with the dancing and stuff, and I was just like, what is this? I mean, I've never had a superhero or genre related show open that way. And um, so like Karen, I, I watched the first and second episode and she had texted me or we had we were talking on the phone. She's like, hey, have you watched that Peacemaker show? And. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I'm like, oh my god, I love it. I, she's like, I know, I can't understand why it's it's just nonsense, but um, it is a fun ride, folks. Um, you know, I echo everything Karen said. Um, I have a new respect for for John Cena. Um, this is similar to me watching the Hawkeye. Uh, series on on um, not HBO on Disney. Zero interest in Hawkeye as a character. I I appreciate you know Jeremy Renner, good actor and and whatnot. I was more excited uh, hearing the rumors that there was going to be a character from Daredevil appear in you know the series. But um, it, it, that, the, that that series played out so well, and they gave you such insight into the character of, of Hawkeye. That's what they did with Peacemaker and then some. Um, you end up, I ended up caring for every single character in that mm -hmm. stupid, you know, uh, it, even his, it, I highly recommend you guys watch this if you haven't um, had a chance to watch it already. Um, yeah, Debbie and I watched like scene. the first episode, but that's as far as we got so far. Yeah, the first episode I think is a little hard to get through 
I know when I saw it, I still was pretty ambivalent. But then the second episode, and I forget exactly what happened in it, but there were just enough things in there that I was like, okay, this is just goofy. And and for me, one of the hardest things to get through is that like James Gunn, not as much in the Marvel films, probably because of the Disney connections they they probably don't want to have like head splattering and shit like that but like in suicide squad you know he just he went for the most like outrageous gory deaths and, and injuries and stuff and i you know i'm not i i'm kind of turned off by that kind of gory stuff so i really didn't enjoy that and he does some of that in peacemaker still so i was kind of like mm. he but, does yeah but there's just so many, like, he'll plant little seeds of ideas in one episode that will pay off, like, five episodes later. And and mm-hmm. it's all about, like, constructing relationships between the characters, you know? And he, it's mm-hmm. like a, a slow burn with the characters. And you realize that he's... Um, He's really putting a lot into it. You know, before I could have kind of written him off as like, oh, the guy just wants to do a lot of gory slapstick kind of stuff. But there was really a lot of a lot of moments, you know, I would laugh at a lot of stuff, but then there was a lot of stuff where it was really kind of touching too. And then five seconds later he's doing something really <laughs> like ridiculous again. So Right. Well, and even some of the ridiculous stuff, eagerly hugging him. You know, it was like, you know, right. But, you know, him, you know, at, at the end of all things, he's sitting there with an imaginary version of his father who he has this like horrible relationship with. Um, actually, I don't want to spoil anything for Bob because you might end up watching this, Bob. So, um, oh, but, but we'll him, see. him giving that you know, food to the, to the butterfly and it's the last bit of food, mm-hmm. you know, it's just this deep insight into this character. And then there's funny moments like, you know, every helmet has like a different ability. One will do a sonic boom. One will allow you to fly. Right. This one gives you scabies. What? <laughs> what I know. That's like, what? So, well, that whole you know, it, lair was so ridiculous, but it's like, you know, it's like here's a common comic book trope, right? There's this gigantic lair in his dad's house, right? That's in another dimension that, right. you know, um, you know, the, the inside jokes with, you know, Superman does this or is into oh, that, Batman's right. into this, bad-mouthing, you know, the heroes, and there's this huge payoff I'm not going to spoil um, in, in the, in the season finale. And it's just brilliant. Um, well, and all how the, they got those actors. Yeah. What was that? Mark? All the, all the bad hair metal songs too. <laughs> Hanoi rocks. And it's like deep cuts, you know, it's like, wow. Um, it really was uh, a good, I, I'm looking forward to the second season. I, I hope they can continue um, the momentum and, and yeah. the fantastic. From what I understand, understand James Gunn wrote every episode. Yeah, I think so. so um, kudos to him. Okay, um, let us uh, segue back to Mr. Bob. Well, I don't think I have anything else. 
Though I do have a sense of Actually, Bob, I will remind but... you of Superman and Lois, because that was the great connection that you and I had. Well, yeah. I don't really think of it as a binge, but yeah, we have been watching uh, Superman and Lois, which uh, I think really got its footing in the second season. And I agree. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, the basically, you know, for those who aren't watching, um, he's going up against Bizarro in the second oh. season. And the fights and the battles, I mean, they, these are like epic movie level battles. I mean, this is not something you'll normally see on TV. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the characters, I mean, you know, Superman, yeah, he... He first appeared in Supergirl. Was it Tyler Hoench? Hoench, I think, that yep. plays him. Yeah, he started off in Supergirl. He was in some of the crossovers. Um, but luckily, they kind of left the series kind of pure. They haven't really thrown a bunch of characters in there, which I think Other is doing really steel. well. So that's a lot of restraint not to, well, let's get the Flash in there and let's get Batwoman in there and let's get, you know. John Deagle from uh, from Legends of Tomorrow, he's made an appearance, but that was really the only kind of crossover thing they did. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically about Clark Kent and Lois Lane, and they've moved back to Smallville. Or, yeah, they moved back to Smallville, and uh, they've got two sons now, one of whom is gaining powers. The other one recently... Started gaining powers, but not the natural way. He was a football player, and he's basically taking drugs to make himself stronger, faster, you know, more talented, whatever. Um, mm. But I mean, the whole the whole cast. I mean, you know, the characters are definitely interesting. Lana Lang is in there with her husband. She has two daughters and uh, having family problems. And leaning on Clark for a lot of that, and um, Lois's father, you know, was in there as uh, part of the military, and he was uh, basically heading up this secret department that would work with Superman. And then he retired in the second season. They got this other jackass in there, and uh, <laughs> he's not working with Superman quite as well as he should. He's no, not, he's not. He ain't playing nice. But uh, no, you know, there's definitely been you know some good, some good episodes, and like I say, Bizarro. I mean, the way that they're depicting him has just been fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Where does one of the things that? Oh, go ahead. Oh, where does Bizarro come from in this version? Don't know yet. It's another. It's like another dimension, but he comes to ours, and he crashes into this mountain. And so at the beginning of the season, Superman's having all these visions and, you know, his his head, like, his head practically explodes with these visions and he's, you know, f falling over, he can't function and he's trying to figure out why he's having these. And then it turns out that Bizarro, who's trapped under this mountain, he's having them too. They're sharing these thoughts oh. and visions. And finally he breaks out of the mountain and uh, and then all kinds of frivolity ensues. Charcularity. That's right. Yeah. 
I think there's something more to be revealed. But it, yeah, that Bizarro, and it's played by the same actor, and so it's oh, really, yeah. yeah, interesting to see him, you know, doing like a Bill Shatner thing, <laughs> Good Kirk, <laughs> Evil Kirk. Um, I want I the brandy. Like, yeah, <laughs> in Superman Returns, Brandon Ralph. Um, the, the whole concept of Superman having a child, you know, what, what is a bigger Achilles heel to a quote unquote superhero? And in this series, they kind of play on that. Um, you know, and then at what point does Clark give training or, or help his son avoid some of the, the trappings that he had, you know, whether it was, coping with x-ray vision or, or, you know, everything's too loud or heat vision or, um, so they, they kind of go in that direction somewhat. Um, yeah, I mean, there was actually an episode where as his son is getting older, he's developing these powers. He develops his super hearing. Right. So he hears everything everywhere all going on at the same time. And he has to learn to focus and block mm -hmm. out, you know, millions of voices and sounds and everything and just concentrate on, you know, what's here, what's now. And uh, that, it was pretty good, the way they depicted that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for, for, a, for a minute, we see a version of Jor-El in the fortress, and they have a story as to why that doesn't work. And, you know, his mother, uh, uh, Lana, is now uh, part of the show. And so it's interesting you know to see her concern for a, a grandchild you know did, did they know that clark well you know they thought it was possible and and now you know what do they do and does he will he be as strong and have all the abilities of clark's or or some of or so it, it's a good show it, it um you know they focus on the clark lois relationship somewhat also and um well, you have to. And then uh, it, Lois has the whole struggle, too, of, you know, she was like the main reporter at the Daily at the Daily Planet. Right. And now she's working for some little podunk paper in Smallville, uh, just her and another person. And she has to yeah. you know, figure out how to function in that type of world or that type of, uh, you know, scenario. Why did they move yeah. back to Smallville? They had the um, sons and they the wanted they, the Yeah. I mean, they inherited the Kent Ranch or the Kent Farm, and they had two sons, and they thought that was a better place to raise them than oh. the big sprawling metropolis. Yeah. Okay. It was a very touching scene when when Ma Kent passes away, and Clark drops everything and is there within seconds. I mean, it was the, the big man shed a tear or two. I'll, I'll tell you that much. That's how well <laughs> played out that scene was. <laughs> but it's only on the second season, so I mean, you know, if anyone wants to catch up, you know, it's not. Yeah, there's not a lot of episodes to catch up on. Yeah, yeah I need to definitely. catch up and on you know, the CW shows. I don't have CW anymore, but I think a lot of. The older seasons are maybe on Netflix now, so I might be able. Yeah, to I think catch I think what they do. I think they're like one season behind on Netflix on all those yeah. shows. Although Arrow's done with, so that's all on there. Um, Flash, I still watch the Flash. I I've been watching Batwoman, and then we've been watching Superman and Lois. Never really got into Legends of Tomorrow. 
I used either, to watch that. Even though they, even like though they it. had one episode with a Shiro Honda. Mm-hmm. And, and they went back and they went to Toho Studios and all that. Look that one up. I would I would recommend that one. Interesting. But, Very good. Well, Walker, do you have something else you'd like to share? I really don't have anything else that I'm watching. There's a lot of stuff I'm anticipating, but nothing else that right. I'm really watching right now. Well, um, we're coming towards the end of the program where we're going to do the sensor sweep. Um, but before we get into the sensor sweep, maybe each of us can talk about a little something, something that you're looking forward to in the next couple of weeks or months. Um, Karen, you have any movie or TV show or? Uh, I'm, I don't know. Thinking about all the different stuff that's coming out. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think the Obi-Wan show. Everybody's yep. probably thinking about that and what is that going to look like? What is it going to mean in the, you know, the, <laughs> the big picture of Star Wars? Because it's oh, yeah. going to, you know, it's going to be plugged in between the prequels and the original trilogy. So kind of wondering, you know, how does how does that fit? Are we going to get some sort of confrontation between Obi-Wan and, and Vader that precedes what we saw in star wars so i don't know you know i keep hearing little things here and there and so i'm i'm real curious and and hopeful that we will get something of the kind of quality and excitement that we got from mandalorian and not dare i say it of boba fett so (gasps) (laughs) so yeah i'm excited about that cautiously optimistic John Williams came out of retirement to score that little show. Wow, I know. Yeah. Bob. Yes. What What are you looking forward to? What are you anticipating? Well, um... You know, I've been, I've been watching, you know, it's not really a binge because these are on, like, come out weekly, but, um, I got High Dive, channel mainly to watch the sixth uh, the sixth series of loop on the third and that's mm. been great you know loop on the third Lupin's like the grandson of our scene loop on the french jewel thief and uh in this uh, in this series the first part of the series he goes up against sherlock holmes grandson and uh that that tends to be pretty interesting just to see the two of them trying to outwit each other um, so there's more episodes of that. So looking forward to that. Um, Ultraman trigger. I was watching that. That's over and done with the Tri- Ultraman trigger movie comes out in March on the Subaraya channel on YouTube. Uh, that'll be followed by a new Ultraman series. And, um, man, other than that, um, just the typical, you know, Marvel hasn't gone wrong with the series yet. So, you know, Moon Knight should be pretty good, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And thank God. What else? They have like She-Hulk coming up and quite a few things. Seems like every week they throw, oh, Ms. Marvel, we're going to do that. And then, oh, we're going to do this other thing. And then, oh, we're going to do another one. <laughs> so uh, I'm still waiting for Nova to show up in one of these things. But... Yeah. <laughs> I might have a long wait. 
Well, I am looking forward to uh, uh, Lieutenant Jasmine and I are going to be going to see the Batman movie, all three glorious hours of it this oh. this Saturday. So I'm I'm hoping my my fingers are crossed. Um, it'll be surprisingly good, like oh, Shazam. Yeah, I remember that thing's going coming to out. Shazam. I totally forgot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. You know, going, um, going to the yeah. movies these days is just weird. I mean, we really wanted to see the Kingsman, and that kind of came and went. We did go out. We did go and see the Spider Man movie, obviously. But yeah, we missed missed out on Kingsman. We bought the four K four K home video version. Watched that the other night. But oh. yeah, Batman kind of snuck up. It's like, well, you know, I guess we got to go see that at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think we're all looking forward to the Doctor Strange uh, film that's coming mm-hmm. out later on, a uh, couple of uh, week, not weeks, couple of months. Hopefully, not three hours long. Well, that's another one where like everybody's in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, let, yeah. let me let me tell you guys a story about a three-hour film that Walker had me go see called The Fellowship of the Ring. Maybe it wasn't quite three hours. Maybe the extended extended. It just, seemed, you know, it just seemed that long. That <laughs> well, that is I. Uh, that's a story that's worthy of three hours. Average story, hour and a half, two hours is good. I I had so much fun. And this isn't the rotoscope version, just for you viewers, so you 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 listeners. Ralph Bassey, yeah, I like those. Oh, well, man, Peter Jackson. Uh, I was I was bored of the rings. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, not life changing like Batman versus Superman, but it was fantastic. Ah. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so when I hear there's a three hour film, I'm you know I have to. Uh, hold off on drinking too much soda in the beginning of the film and kind of time my potty breaks. Uh, um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, looking forward. I, we'll see if uh, if my co-podcasters uh, hear of how they feel about it, whether we'll do a podcast about the Batman movie. But if not, I'll be sure to mention it here and there uh, in future episodes. Well, well, I'll have to put it on the Batman versus Superman scale. Was it right? Well, uh, I will be interested. Note, I'll be interested in <laughs> in seeing what you think about it. And we'll uh, we'll see. I mean, come on, Batman, Catwoman, and the Penguin. When are you yeah. ever going to see? Oh shit! Wait a minute. Yeah, really? um, never mind. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just On don't need. Note. I don't need to see crazy Batman anymore. I, I'm just. It's played out. I'd like to see sane Batman, who's a detective and smarter than everyone else. I just—that's—I'm well, just saying. I disappoint you, but that doesn't make money for DC, so well, we're just going to have batshit crazy. We're just—I hear dumb, you. dumbing I, everything down. I guess I don't I, know. My understanding—you know—he worked very hard. Was he going to go into it like past Batman? Yes, he is. So. Uh, <gasps> Speaking, speaking, speaking of that, we got the Flash coming out too, right? When does that come out? Uh, yeah, so. Well, when does that come out? Uh, it seems like it's been on the question. schedule for a long time, but I haven't seen anything. Yeah. 
Well, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Um, but for the fact that we're going to have old school Batman. Uh, November. Ah, November, okay. November 4th. Oh, we got a long way till then. We, we've got some time. Um, but anyway, uh, it is that. But hey, time hey, do you know, you know what's coming? Yeah, I forgot to say, you know what's coming to Apple TV? And of course, oh. I don't have Apple TV. I do not have. I it. forgot. Yes, but there's the Godzilla TV show based uh, on the legendary Monsterverse. Say so it's basically a Monsterverse series, but yeah, Godzilla will be legendary, in it. Right? It's that version, which is interesting because the uh, contract between Legendary and Toho for use of Godzilla was up after Godzilla versus Kong. That was it, and now suddenly right. he's coming back in a TV series. So. Maybe I'll get more information on that as we roll along. But you, you throw some of that Apple money towards Toho, and they're like, "Yeah, Godzilla, sure." <laughs> so yeah, that was my only throw-in, my side thing. Yes, I, I had that written down, and I was going to mention it, and I, I got all excited about Batman. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now, if they would just do Batman versus Godzilla. Hey, Batman versus the Predator and the Alien in in that short. uh... You know what they say. If Batman has enough time to prepare, (laughs) he can take on anybody. That's true. Well, it, it is time. It has been time for our sensor sweep, but we're just having too much fun. Uh, Mr. Bob, Chief Engineer Bob, you have this episode's sensor sweep. Well, take it away, my friend. It's that time of the year again. And this Mm. is sort of a bittersweet one because uh, we were not included this year. But uh, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Uh, The Rondo Awards just released all their uh, candidates for uh, different categories. Best of 2021. I'm not going to go through every category and every candidate, but um, I will go through some categories and just give our recommendations. Of tell, We're going to basically tell you who to vote for. Okay, ready? <laughs> uh, Listen up, comrade. I would say best Blu-ray. The first category is best Blu-ray. And I would throw King Kong 1976 out there. Oh. Because of Kino Lorber, right? And, he uh, loved the Kong. Yes. The monkey. We say when vote this, for the monkey. When my monkey die, everybody cry. <laughs> so vote for Kong. Uh, best Blu-ray collection. I would have to go with... Kolshak the Night Stalker. Yes, sir. Uh, Favorite commentator. I have two. Both are nominated. One is friend of the show, David Schechter. Oh, yes. And the other is longtime friend Michael Schlesinger. Mm -hmm. So Michael used to, he used to be the uh, movie curator for the classic library at Sony. So when we were doing Bay Area film events, Shows we would get a lot of movies from from Michael, and uh, he appeared at a couple of our Godzilla shows because uh, 
he actually directed and dubbed the U.S. version of Godzilla 2000. But he is up in that category. Uh, nice. Book of the year, I have two suggestions. One, I talked about in a prior censor sweep, Behind the Kaiju Curtain by Norman England. And the other one is The Career That Dripped with Horror, John Stanley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take your pick. Uh, best magazine cover. I was looking at those. Mad Scientist number 38 with a Godzilla cover by Jeff, Jeff Zorno. Or Scream number 39 by Mark Maddox. And uh, he did a cover of everyone's favorite film, the Giant Claw. Mark does a lot of nice work. Oh, yes. Um, best website. First year, we were not nominated. We've been around for 16 years as of last week. So I would say please <laughs> please write in Sci-Fi Japan for best website. Oh, I thought you were talking about us. For- oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Best website, Sci-Fi Japan. Write it down, write it in. Uh, Best podcast, there you go. We were not included this year. We oh. had been the last few years. Well, um, we know Gilbert Gottfried's going to win anyway, Yeah, right? but please, so. please, you know, maybe get us back <laughs> on the ballot next year by writing in Planet 8. That's P-L-A-N-E-T and the number 8 for Best Podcast. And the uh, final category that I'm going to talk about is favorite horror host. And there's actually uh, uh, four, and you can pick through it from any of these. We have the uh, fifth beetle of Planet 8, Lord Bloodraw, <laughs> is up for yes. best horror host. Uh, another friend of the show, Mr. Lobo, oh, is yes. also up. Um, yes. Raina Young, Miss Misery is up and our good friend Vincent Vandal is up as well Ah. so you've got Lord Bloodraw Mr. Lobo Miss Misery and Vincent Vandal take your pick for favorite horror host do not vote for Sven Gulli he wins every year he'll probably (laughs) win again this year but uh, you know give, give another host a chance really I, I see that Mr. Livingston was a write-in this year. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he and Tangella just kind of ride on the coattails of Vincent Van Dyke. There you the go. <laughs> they'll, have, they'll have the Rondo and they'll have it in the uh, mansion there. <laughs> All right. Sounds so, good. Bob, where do people go to find the Rondo Awards and what, what do they need to do? Well, you can go to RondoAwards.com and they will tell you how to vote. You basically send an email into the person who uh, runs the page. And you have to do that by Sunday, April 17th. Oh. That is the deadline. Vote early and often. And uh, let's see if we can get some of these friends from Planet 8 uh, basically as close as we can to the top. Sounds good. I'd take a write in. Yeah, <laughs> write us in, please. We We've we are not we so are not hard. above begging. I'll beg. <laughs> I ain't too proud to beg, sweet daughter. Hey. There you go. 
All right, cool. Well, that draws this episode to a close. Any last-minute comments, my friends? Well, I would be curious to know what our listeners have been watching, if they've watched some of the same stuff as us, if they're watching things that we haven't heard of or considered. So I'm sure there's a lot of cool things out there that we just haven't had time for. There's so much. There's just so much. It's really the golden age of television. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave us with two honorary mentions, not genre-related, but um, Reacher on, uh, on Amazon. And uh, it's a train wreck of a show, but it's so well-acted, Euphoria. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. That's a rough show. Man, it, it is. It, it's very hard to watch, but so well-acted. Um, hey. We appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, Make sure you follow us on uh, YouTube, like, subscribe, and um, stay safe. Take care of each other. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.